And I think that's another important point too, for people during pregnancy. It's like you all of a sudden, like all of these, all of these foodborne like outbreaks and recalls and everything, those have been happening. You're just like, acutely aware of them right Right. yeah right that's like so true (laughs) yeah like when you buy a white car all of a sudden or when you buy white cars are everywhere if you buy like a you know whatever um uh, a jetta all of a sudden you see jettas everywhere it's the same yes yes it's the same thing yeah all of a sudden you're just like you see yeah. yeah. <laughs> foodborne. Oh, there's another foodborne else outbreak. Yeah. There's yeah. Another, oh, there's an outbreak. Like, and everybody sends it to you when you're pregnant because they're like, did you hear about this? And you're like, oh, we're all going to die. Yeah. 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 But yes. the thing is before you got pregnant three months ago, yeah, years past, those were all still happening. Every that, that was all still occurring. You're listening to the imperfect PCOS podcast where we share no BS science-backed strategies to put your PCOS into remission. I'm your host, Corey Ruth, aka The Women's Dietitian. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Imperfect PCOS podcast. Today, we are joined by fellow dietitian, colleague, friend of mine, Ryan Kipping. She is a pregnancy registered dietitian, nutritionist, and master content creator, mostly known for daily content on her Instagram prenatal nutritionist. Ryan is the founder of the Prenatal Nutrition Library app, an encouraging community that provides evidence-based prenatal nutrition to help pregnant people understand how to eat during pregnancy for the most optimal outcomes physically and mentally. So needed. I love that resource. I always recommend you to everybody that's pregnant or, you know, looking to get into that whole world. So thank you for joining us, Ryan. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Yes, me too. And we were just chatting this disclaimer. I just got back from a wedding and my voice is so hoarse because I was wooing the whole time. There was like 11 speeches. Everyone that started talking, I was like, I mean, you can't leave them hanging. You know, you got to woo for them. I'm not the same person. Yeah. yeah. I'm not the same person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I sound sick, I'm actually not. Anyway, um, (laughs) so Ryan is in Houston currently. She just moved there and we were just chatting a little bit about that. Um, But welcome, Ryan. Tell us a little bit about your backstory, what you do, how you got into this field. And like I said, it's just so needed. There's so much misinformation out there. So, so excited today to talk to you. Yeah, of course. I love podcasting. I think it's so fun because it's, it's really like you feel like it's so casual. You're just yes. like having with your fridge. And I love right. that environment, you Me know, too. Me too. I feel like that's kind of how social feels in general, yes. you know, because you're talking to like thousands of people, but you feel like yes. you're talking to everyone like one-on-one in yeah. a way. Like all my best girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which makes it feel so like no pressure, right. you're just like having a conversation. Yes, no pressure. Um, Anyways, I'm Ryan. I'm a registered dietitian. Like Corey said, I have been doing this. I mean, honestly, I've been specialized in pregnancy ever since I've been a dietitian, really. The first few years after I graduated, I kind of like fumbled around a little bit and was like trying to find my way. I think as like most of us are after we graduate. Yeah, we're lost puppies. Most of us. (laughs) Yes. I was pretty lost, Um, but I was super interested, even in college, as I was going through my dietetics program, I was super interested in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was super interested in having my own business. So I am Mm -hmm. proud of myself that I'm here now because it was truly my dream to do what I'm doing now. So very, very happy and blessed in that 
way. So yeah, it started, my passion started really early. Um, ever since I did like our first like life cycle nutrition course, you know, I was always like, really like this is the coolest. Um, I really want to be able to help this population. And then I started working at a clinic where, you know, I was there nine to five, all that jazz, but I really just wasn't happy with like what the education was. I was like, I don't like, you know, why (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like so boxed in and like, it was like two ways. Like one was like, personally, I wanted to make my own schedule. Like I wanted to have my own business, all that stuff. But then professionally, I was like, I feel like I can reach so many more people. Like I want to teach like up-to-date education. Like it felt like everything that we were teaching was just not up to date. <laughs> yeah. You're laughing because we're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, because, <laughs> Cause I could just, I just agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. And I remember being in that same space. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot there for sure. Um, but yeah, I just started gradually like building my own business up on the side. Eventually I was able to quit. I landed a really cool um, book deal. So that was really awesome. Like the timing worked out really good too in that regards. Um, so that launched. And then I was like, well, I really got to give this my all if I'm going to really go for this. So I ended yeah. up just quitting that job. It was like part-time at that point. And that was in 2019. That's when I officially quit and like went full time in this business. And yeah, ever since then, I have an app now. I launched an app in 2020. And so it's just been growing ever since, evolving. And I've just every single year just been figuring out more ways to help pregnant people understand what to eat and know the real education around it and the evidence and just trying to really calm all of the noise on the internet as you are as well, right? Around PCOS. I'm trying to do the same thing with pregnancy. It's like, how can we like block out all this unnecessary noise that lives in all of these spaces of the internet and just focus on the real evidence that's, you know, going to help you ultimately ease that worry and anxiety and stress that comes with pregnancy in general. And then eating, eating just like generally just like eating becomes like this problem. And it's, shouldn't be that way. (laughs) And that's my goal is to not make it that way. I love it. I love that. And it, I wanted to at some point say this, and I'm sure I've like commented on one of your posts saying this, but I remember when I was pregnant with both kids, actually probably more the first, because I learned my lesson. Um, I remember popping into or joining some pregnancy, like for, or pregnancy communities on Facebook, like you know, they have them like separated by due date. So I was like, okay, October, 2019, I'm going to join that group. And I had to leave that group, Ryan. I had to leave the group because I was finding myself commenting on every single post, like telling women it's okay to eat a kiwi. Um, It's okay to like sniff a banana. And I just, I had to exit. (laughs) It was was just, there was so much fear and misinformation. And I honestly what I should have done is just like dropped your handle into every single comment because you really help clear up some of that fear and that, like you said, anxiety that is some, for some reason, just so attached to eating during pregnancy. So yeah, I definitely can feel all of that, you know, from you in terms of just clearing it all up. And it's, it really is doing such good work and it's so necessary. Yeah. Those forums are, Oh my God. 
Right. They're a horrible place to be. Yeah. Right. It's, like, yeah. yes, it, it's just, um, it's, it's amazing. I think is the word I'm looking for because it's just so wild to me that there's just so much misinformation going around. Yes. I'm just like yes. mind blown. I know I see it every day. And I, every time I like get on yeah. Pinterest or like something, I'm like, think I'm going to be like pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But then every single time I'm like, no, this stuff is still circulating. Like every yes. single day, I still see it circulating everywhere. So that like just reiterates my message. I'm like, okay, yes, yes. I, need to keep going. I need to keep going. I need to keep going. Yes, totally. I know every time I, someone sends me something of like, I, you know, something that a doctor posts about nutrition and PCOS, I have to hold my breath when I read it because I'm like, what am I going to find? It's like walking into a landmine. So tell us one of the, one of my favorite parts about following you and your whole social media presence is really clearing up fact from fiction when it comes to what we should and shouldn't be eating during pregnancy. What are like some of the most common things that you see and come up against that women really believe when it comes to nutrition for pregnancy? And let's like clear them up because that's really so important. Yeah. I think, I mean, the number one myth that I I know I'm like, it's so funny. Every time I get on a podcast, everyone's like, what's the one thing? And I'm like, there is a lot you have. Yeah. Yeah. There's about a million, but (laughs) right. Um, I I think (laughs) the eating for two myth has been around for so long. And I I don't talk about that one a lot anymore because I really feel like I pounded that one into the ground. Like when I first started, because that one was so like prevalent and I think the most loud, I will say. Yes, uh, for sure. From the beginning. But now I feel like I've really honed in on more of these really specific ones. I mean, of course there's like deli meat and that's never going to go away. Like I just, I mean, hopefully one day, but like, as for now, it's like people are still getting like those handouts at doctor's offices and like deli meats on every single one of them, you know? So it's like, I don't feel like that one's really going away. The soft cheeses one, kind mm. of, I feel like that one's a little bit going okay. away. All right. All right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's fading a little. Collecting some um, dust. Yeah, exactly. But I still hear it and I still see other people yeah. post about it too, about the risks there. But I mean, yeah. most of like, honestly, our food system, and I'm sure you have listeners all over the world too, yes. but in the United States specifically, our food system is very safe. And it's, I mean, as of now, like 2023, like it is very safe. There have been years past and, you know, the nineties, like deli meats were way more likely to be contaminated Mm -hmm. in the nineties, but like we've come a really long way and there's like a lot of, um, inspections and different organizations, like where food is getting checked, like step and process and step again in all of these things. So I like to start with that. It's like, in general, our food is very safe in the United States. I can agree. And I've worked in food service and I've seen it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like to start with that because, I mean, and I think... I always, this story is funny to me too. There was one time we were just like chatting. I was chatting with some friends or whatever. And someone had brought up that they got like food poisoning from something or just like, you know, they got sick from something they ate. And one of my friends was literally like, people still get sick from food. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's 
my point. It's like, it doesn't even register in some people's head that like foodborne illness is like still a thing, you know, it's like my world. It's like, I'm like hyper aware of like a lot of things. And I think that's another important point too, for people during pregnancy. It's like you all of a sudden, like all of these, all of these foodborne like outbreaks and recalls and everything, those have been happening. You're just like, acutely aware of them right Right. yeah right that's like, so just- <laughs> true yeah like when you buy a white car all of a sudden or when you buy yes. oh, white cars are everywhere if you buy yeah. like a you know whatever um uh, a jetta all of a sudden you see yeah. jettas everywhere it's the same thing. yes yeah. yes it's the yeah. same thing yeah all yeah. of a sudden you're just like you oh, see yeah. yeah. <laughs> foodborne. Oh, there's another foodborne else outbreak. Yeah. There's yeah. Else? Oh, there's an there's outbreak. Like, and everybody sends it to you when you're pregnant because they're like, did you hear about this? And you're like, Ugh, we're all going to yeah. die. Yeah. 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 But yes. the thing is before you got pregnant three months ago, yeah, years past, those were all still happening. Every That, that was all still occurring. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. probably um, more so. Yeah. Than it is now. Yeah. We've right. tightened exactly. up so much. We have tightened up so much and like those like types of processes and regulations have like gotten stricter Um, and especially too, because leafy greens is something I talk about a lot and Mm -hmm. we always, and a lot of this has become more aware. I think pregnant people in general have become more aware of leafy greens being higher risk than some Mm -hmm. of these other things like deli meats and soft cheeses and fish and all that stuff. And I think in part that's like probably my account that's educating yeah, people. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. It's well, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so even with leafy greens, they yeah. have the USDA and FDA have put in like tighter restrictions around um how like the processes that leafy greens specifically go to because this has been something that's been going on like the problem with leafy greens has been mm. going on for like a few decades I would say okay. so okay. like over the years they've tried to like okay how can we fix this problem like we're, we keep right. seeing this happening like mm. how can we fix it so there are like entire I mean like workforces trying to fix these problems that we're seeing as we seen outbreaks and things like that. So, you know, it's not like the wild, wild West. Like, whereas I think like (laughs) sometimes I describe like the supplement industry as that with Mm -hmm. like the poorly regulated supplement type of thing. And I feel like, you know, this isn't that, you know, Um, which I would hope that there are like people working on the supplement craze and I stuff. hope so too because I yes coming from someone who manufactures supplements yes yes that's what I was say. yes mm-hmm. even if I have FDA you know it's an FDA yes. certified facility I have a GMP you know I'm right third party tested there's so many right. yeah there's so many things yeah, yeah there's so many things so, so anyways those are just some of the higher arching things okay. that I wanted to mention There's no way around it. PCOS is complex and multifaceted. What we know about it, including how best to treat it, is constantly changing. That's why I've dedicated my life's work to helping women put their PCOS into remission. Inside my signature program, the PCOS Boss Academy, women lose weight permanently without restriction and master their most stubborn PCOS symptoms. 
If you're looking to get pregnant or want to be a mom in the future, my ultra successful Get Pregnant with PCOS program supports moms-to-be every step of the way in conquering PCOS symptoms and bringing home the baby of their dreams. Plus, there's an additional weight loss mode to check into. These are all of the science-backed nutrition and lifestyle tweaks you need to improve your PCOS and change your life from a qualified healthcare provider and leading PCOS expert in the field. Ultimately, we are in control of our PCOS, and I would love to work with you inside one of my upcoming programs so you can step into the best version of yourself and start feeling like you again. What about, I know you get asked this like every day of your life, but (laughs) what about sushi? Because that is such a pain point. And sushi, uh, my question has always been, okay, what do women in Japan just stop eating everything? <laughs> like why? Like I just, okay. And also I want to preface this too, this, this whole session, because I have always taken a very liberal approach to eating during my pregnancies. And I, I mean, of course I'm one person, but I mm-hmm. literally went against every rule because <laughs> I'm that way. Um, okay. and obviously experience absolutely zero problems and repercussions of that. But I really did fight against these because only because I'm always looking at what is the evidence saying, right? Right. I'm not, I will never, and maybe that's just my personality, but I will never just blindly follow someone's advice, especially if it's a handout that's outdated in a doctor's office when it comes to nutrition. So I do take a very liberal approach, but I also want to know, like, if, you know, sushi is one of the biggest ones that, and I hear even my like pregnant friends are like, Oh yeah, well, can't have any coffee or sushi. I'll, you know, I'll wait till I right. have my baby. And I'm always like, what? Like, yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, what about sushi? Like, do should women know? Yeah, that's a that is a very good point and good um, preface there <laughs> because we are all different in that aspect, right? Yes, Some totally. people do take your approach and are very just like, you know, whatever. And there's no right right or wrong. It's honestly totally up to your personal comfort level. Because you, Corey, obviously are... Yes. Yes. Right. You're a dietitian. You work in the nutrition world. Like you feel very confident, like looking at the evidence yourself and like all of those things. Totally. So, so yeah. And I always say too, it's like, okay, if you are going to, um, if you're like a highly anxious individual and you know, there's so many certain cases like this where if you're like, you know, I feel like if I indulge in, you know, the sushi or whatever, I'm going to think about it for all night. Feel guilty. Yes. And I'm going to go, you know, if you're going to go on this like mental health spiral the next day, like, for Better, you, just, yeah. yeah, probably not worth it for you as an individual that's going totally. to go through that. 100%. But if you are, you know, maybe you're looking at what the evidence is in the prenatal nutrition library. You're like, I've read up with what Ryan and her team have presented to me. And I feel, you know, comfortable with my certain yeah. risk where I'm going to get this sushi. You know, maybe you've done your due diligence of even checking their like inspection or I don't, whatever you want to do. And then right. you feel confident and you're like, I right. feel good. Perfect. You know, it is really up to your personal comfort level at the end of the day. And I always say this because I, people just, 
want me to make the decision for them. And I'm like, yes. listen, I'm like, that's yes. not my job. <laughs> yes. It's like PCOS and metformin or birth control. Yes. yes. I just exactly. want them to know the facts and be informed. Yes. yes. Totally. It's the same thing, right? With PCOS, yeah. you're like, you're not going to be like, follow these and this and that and that. You're going to be like, hey, there's a lot involved here. There's yes. a lot of things going on. Like right. that might be right for your neighbor, but that might not be right for you. Right. So it's the same thing. It's like we all have to weigh our personal risk versus benefits with every single one of these, uh, you know, quote unquote, right. yellow precaution type foods yes. um, and how we personally feel. And that's the whole goal of, you know, the prenatal nutrition library is like, hey, educate yourself, like go through it. Like we update the data on there very frequently. You know, yes. we're going in every single month and we're checking, yes. is there a new study out? You know, is there some sort of new food safety thing going on? Like we're always updating yeah. it for you guys. So you Such feel the resource. confidence going into this. Yes. Um, so yeah, all that said, with sushi, there are a ton of different sushi rolls. You know, when you go to a restaurant, most yeah. of the menus are quite extensive. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. There are plenty of cooked rolls available. There are vegetable rolls, although you could argue that the vegetable rolls could be just as high risk, right? As some of the fish rolls. Right. Yes. We know that produce is one of the biggest things that is, you know, going to be contaminated. Like year after year on the CDC list, it's like produce, 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 produce. So while a vegetable roll, has no fish, it still has a lot of veggies that could be contaminated and not washed and yeah. handled properly. Right. So I always like to remind people of that too. And then yes. there's the mercury, the mercury aspect of yes. fish. So right. that's still at play, right? So you still want to like look at the menu and avoid the fish that are highest in mercury. Some of the bigger types of tuna are somewhat commonly found. I was going to ask if you could like do a really quick rundown of a few that are higher mercury fish. Because it's also like, I feel like when women hear about the high mercury thing, then they completely avoid fish, which yep. you're, might be great for somebody who's going to spin out on it, but also yeah. not great for like most of us because fish can be, is so important during pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I hate that aspect about it because a lot of times yeah, it's like all or nothing. Yes. When you go online and you read some of these recommendations, you get scared and you're like, you read all these scary things. And I get it. Like there's some real scary things on there that talk about pregnancy loss and all these things. And you're immediately going to a bad place where you're like, okay, screw it. Like I'm going to avoid it. Not worth it. Um, However, there are studies that we do have that say even the people, so there's like two groups, right? They compared two groups of pregnant people and the one that ate a lot of fish, even over the recommended, you know, we had that like blanket recommendation of eight to 12 ounces and no more than 12 ounces. Right. So even the people that ate more than 12 ounces of fish per week in pregnancy, so they had higher mercury levels than the people who ate no fish, which makes okay. sense. Makes sense total sense. Um, These people had higher mercury levels. However, they tested like longer term infant outcomes and the people that had fish versus the people that had no fish, their infants had better like cognitive outcomes. So yeah, it kind of like just proves the point that 
you need that fish regardless of how much it is. And also that it could potentially be harmful not to have that fish, especially if you don't have other sources of DHA, um, you know, vitamin D, especially if you're not filling in those nutrient gaps, especially if you're not taking and taking Mm -hmm. an omega-3 supplement, like Mm -hmm. that could potentially have more harmful effects than if you were to just eat the fish and eat it weekly. Okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So so really interesting data that, you know, I'm glad we have because it is, it proves the point that it isn't an all or nothing thing. And yes, we yes. have some of these these guidelines around it, but that doesn't mean you completely mm-hmm. X fish off right. of your diet during pregnancy, either for yeah. the reason being mercury or the reason being something food safety related, right? Totally. Uh, so that being said, yes, some types of tuna, like big eye tuna, which is the same as I think ahi tuna. Now I'm forgetting. Yeah. Sometimes I get confused with the tuna because some people call it by different names. Yes, I know. It is a little confusing. That's okay. (laughs) The bigger, the bigger, the fish, the bigger, the tuna, the more mercury it has. So if you're like looking at fish, yeah. Yes. If you're looking at a menu and you're like, it says the specific fish, you can like Google that type of fish. And Mm -hmm. if it's giant fish, it has more mercury. Yes. Um, But the type of tuna that we want to stick with is like the skipjack canned tuna. Okay. And you can do some albacore that's okay, that's, you know, still lower. It's higher than skipjack, but it's still somewhat okay. lower. You can have that one too. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then what would be yeah. the other one? sushi? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying, I don't know if I've ever seen tile fish. Salmon? So fish, avoid. Salmon's a good one. Salmon's okay. low mercury. We love salmon. Okay. For Perfect. Pregnancy. Yes. Um, so there's and a lot general. of options. Yeah. 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 And like, it's like anything, right? Don't go like downing 85 cans of tuna every day. Like yeah. it takes a lot to get mercury poisoning peeps. Like I only know one person my entire life who's gotten that. And it's because yeah. he literally worked in seafood distributing and literally ate seafood all day, every day. And guess what? He's fine. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's really like, it, I feel like that fear is just so yeah. and it's like, okay, like just, you know, like everything, like don't go crazy. You don't go cray cray, but enjoy it yeah. sometimes and it's good. Like, yeah, totally. And you can, yeah, you can get, if yeah. you are really that concerned, like you can even get your mercury tested and yeah, okay. level is at. There you so go. if you're yeah. really that concerned, right. If you're eating, yeah. 85 midnight cans of tuna, then yeah, like, you know, maybe we <laughs> yeah. um, what about, I want to switch to talking about morning sickness because I, this is such, yeah. such a, such a huge symptom, symptom, such a huge, yeah. um, struggle for so many pregnant women. Why does, why do we get morning sickness? Why does not happen? What are the theories surrounding it? And what are some like of your like top tips to manage or prevent it? Yes. Yeah, so Statistics show that majority of people experience some degree of morning sickness during their pregnancy, usually in the first trimester, usually Mm -hmm. between weeks like, I would say like six and 12, you know, 
for some people it lasts to like week 16 and then it fades away. Some people just have like one week where it's like pretty rough and then they're like, okay, I'm fine. And then for the most unfortunate people, it can hang around for the whole pregnancy, um, which we know is one of the more severe cases. The most severe case being HG, which is like usually requires hospitalization, medication, where you're getting fluids replaced and all of that stuff. So there's, I mean, like a lot of theories as to why it happens. Like one of the biggest ones is like the massive hormone shift that's going on, you know, in pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Another one. Hormones are strong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And just the rapid changes in general, right? Like that first month or two of pregnancy is like insane. Like the amount of changes that are going on in your body during those two months and obviously the whole time. Yeah. first get pregnant it's yeah. like your body is like going crazy right literally like I'm, in a way like yeah it kind of makes sense like that you like yeah. <laughs> that you have like these crazy symptoms right honestly yes. the people that don't have symptoms are the ones that blow my mind more because I'm yes. like how is all this going on in your body yes I had zero nausea for both pregnancies don't hate me listeners I know I, I had plenty of other things like my digestion was going crazy, but, um, I didn't have any morning sickness. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. But my mom didn't either. So it made me think, cause I had very similar pregnancies to my mom, Yeah, very similar in symptoms and everything. So I'm like, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like a little bit of a, yeah, who knows? Yeah, no, there totally could be. I think that's another piece of it. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, especially with HG, like there's more research. I just posted a reels on my story about a new study that that came out on HG. Okay, Um, They're doing more and more research on it, I think now. And one of of those is like looking at the gene variety and like seeing people that have HG, like what type of genes that they have and compared to not people that don't have it. Right. Um, So I think that is super interesting. Then there's some, you know, there's some research that associates different nutrients to the Mm. case of nausea and how severe it could be Mm. things like magnesium like your magnesium level oh yeah Um, I always take magnesium so I don't know if that helped or not but hey could could have yep (laughs) that one um b6 we know is like a common treatment for nausea so Mm -hmm. it would kind of make sense in a way that if like preconceptionally you were having really good amounts, you know, or you were consuming a lot of B6 or your B6 was like solid that yes. you might have less nausea going in. Right. Right. So, I mean, those are all things to think about. I do get yeah. plenty of questions from people that are trying to conceive and, you know, they've heard the horror stories about nausea and morning sickness. So they're like, mm-hmm. Hey Ryan, I want to do whatever I can to prevent this. And I'm right. always like, Honestly, like it's okay. not like we can't 100%, like, yes. like even 50%, right. we can't prevent it. Um, right. I'm just like, here are some things like you can yeah. try to eat more magnesium rich foods, eat um, mm-hmm. more foods high in B6. I know you talk about this a lot too. You can try to work, focus on managing your blood sugars, like figure out if there's yeah. any sort of, if you have any sort of already blood mm-hmm. sugar imbalances going on because. Right. Going into pregnancy with those types of imbalances, we know can be problematic. And that yeah. can also really start you out problematic with nausea. If your blood sugar is all over the place, we know yes. that in the first trimester, um, that can be a challenge. You know, it, it kind of builds upon itself, right? Because 
when you have those yeah. blood sugar. You know what I mean? It makes it yes. worse. Yes. Because totally. You don't want to you don't want to eat and then that increases the nausea. So it's like this like cycle that just like keeps yes. going so in a true. way. So true. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, okay, let's talk about if you do have morning sickness. Yeah. What to do. And mm-hmm. I will tell you that I recently took a poll in my stories where hundreds, maybe even thousands of people mm-hmm. put in the box what helped their morning sickness the most. Mm-hmm. And the number one response, <laughs> drum roll, drum, drum roll, roll. <laughs> <laughs> was literally eating. Like people ah. are like, if I ate, if I ate something, yes. then it would go away. Okay. Yes. I am a snacker. I literally eat yes. all day long. I don't eat like huge meals. I eat like little things all day yeah. long. Like that's how I operate. So maybe that is what helped me too. It could. Very could interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because that just having something in your stomach. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So many people said like, you know, if I went on an empty stomach too long, mm-hmm. like, Instantly yeah. nauseous. Um, yeah. If I woke up and I didn't have breakfast immediately, instantly nauseous. Yes. So, you know, it sounds counterintuitive because the last thing you want to do when you're nauseous yeah. is eat, you know? Yes. It, it's right. tough, but right. it will help you, I promise. Because back to the blood sugar thing, too, mm-hmm. it's like if we sit on this empty stomach, it's going to send our blood sugars, you know, in ways mm-hmm. we don't want them. And then mm-hmm. if we just eat those, which again, the only thing that sounds good when you're nauseous is carbs. Carbs. Which- <laughs> Just going to say, yeah. <laughs> we know, and it's fine. It's mm-hmm. fine, right? Mm-hmm. If that's the only thing that you can eat, please yeah. eat it. Yes. Please, please eat it. Um, yes. But yes, the thing there is like, okay, so your, your stomach's upset, like eat the carbs, whatever carb that is that makes right. you feel better. Yeah. And then once it sits and you feel kind of better, then try to find something with yes, protein and exactly. those fats, you know, that we want to. So, yes, I love that. That's a great, yeah. the great suggestion. And there's so much to like in the PCOS pregnancy world, there's so much guilt around the nausea issue and then eating carbs because they're like, well, I'm supposed to be balancing my blood sugar, but all right. literally all I ate today was carbs and all I ate yesterday was carbs. That's like all that I need, all that or all that I want. Mm-hmm. And I just really want women to release that guilt because, you know, yes. we have to do the best we can with what we've got. And if all we got right now is the ability to eat some carbs, eat those carbs, get in that, get in that food and then either add something to that carb. Or like you said, wait until your stomach settles a little bit and then get some protein and something lighter. It doesn't have to go be, you know, you don't have to go eat like a yeah. marbled steak. Like it could be some <laughs> cheese, <laughs> a protein, like a smoothie. I always recommend, you know, get like your, some sneak some protein in there. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. There's so many ways to do it. I mean, there's also like carb, the main portion of the meal is carbs, yes. but you can add like, you know, with like something like mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. for example, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you can make mashed potatoes with whole milk or heavy cream right. or lots of butter, you know, butter yes. is great. It's like you yes. can add those in or exactly. it's still potatoes, yeah. but you're adding in a little bit of mm-hmm. something else that can help with that carb load. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That will help negate that blood sugar spike, you know, Mm -hmm. that would otherwise accompany that straight up carb. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a really good suggestion. What about, um, you mentioned some lab testing during pregnancy. Are there lab tests that women should be routinely asking for during pregnancy? Like 
iron, you know, your thyroid, cholesterol. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? And I, I this is so interesting to me. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, hopefully with the provider that you're going to, you do get yeah. those sort of like more routine labs and iron yes. would absolutely be on there. That's something okay. that is pretty routinely checked Got mostly it. like every trimester of pregnancy. Yeah. Um, you could request it even more. Like if you're someone who, you know, is kind of like prone to yeah. iron or something okay. like that, yeah. um, you can test it more. But also in that same sentence, if you know you're someone that struggles with iron or maybe in a past pregnancy, that was a super big issue for you. Okay. Um, you can get like a more intense iron panel where mm. there's different like biomarkers that give us like the whole picture of right. your iron instead of just like hemoglobin hematocrit those are Mm -hmm. two like you know they will they will do but with the yeah those standard ones but there's more labs that tell us different things right so you could even say hey you know when you go to your provider like last pregnancy or previously i've had issues with low iron um you know, is there any other tests that we can run? You know, I've heard there's a bigger iron panel that we could potentially do. So ask these questions and like, if you get pushback, number one, you can keep pushing or you can go to a different (laughs) provider. Yes. Um, You can work with a dietitian who runs some of these labs. That's always Mm -hmm. an option um, if you're really concerned because iron's not like most nutrients. Iron's not a nutrient that works by itself. There's other nutrients involved. You could, Mm. you know, be missing another piece of the puzzle that's not necessarily your iron or it's affecting your iron or or something like that. Okay. Um, So that's definitely one. You mentioned thyroid and absolutely thyroid is an important one. Okay. Even if you've never had thyroid issues in the past, we recommend still doing thyroid testing um, just because... And I'm sure you see this probably with PCOS too. It's Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you might not even have super strong symptoms of maybe like a thyroid issue or something, Mm -hmm. but there could still be something underlying going on. Okay. Um, Especially if you're someone who has had like a past miscarriage, any form of past pregnancy loss, like there is a lot of research on thyroid um, Mm. complications being linked to miscarriage and pregnancy loss and things like Mm -hmm. that. So that's absolutely something to look into if you're someone in that boat. Um, But also like if you're preconception and you're thinking like, I really want to start a family very soon. What Mm -hmm. are some things I can like proactively do and check and, you know, make sure everything's going to be wonderful that it doesn't hurt to check your thyroid, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Cause (laughs) it can change. I mean, yes, these things can come on out of like seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. Yes, totally. Like even if you're like, I've been totally healthy my whole life and I've never had issues with blood sugar or thyroid or all of this stuff. It's like, to your point, it could change. Something over the last year could have changed. Like, at no fault of your own, like, you know, maybe something just switched in your body or whatever it is. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great one to touch on. Um, we've talked about blood sugar. So blood sugar is very important. So testing for something like Mm -hmm. diabetes, pre-diabetes, those Mm -hmm. tests are really important. You can do those before pregnancy, but you can do those in your first trimester. You can even get 
a hemoglobin A1C, which mm-hmm. is the lab value they use to um, diagnose prediabetes and diabetes, you can get that done in your first trimester. Mm. And that is a lot of more than one study has been showing that that is a predictive factor in the development of gestational diabetes. So Mm, basically that's, yeah, that's like catching if you had prediabetes or diabetes beforehand, Mm. if that hemoglobin A1C is elevated in your first trimester, it's okay. likely that you've had blood sugar issues going on yes. before, before even being pregnant. Right? right. So in that case, when you're in the first trimester and you notice you have, um, either just like a high fasting number, yeah. um, or you have an elevated hemoglobin A1C, that's really good information to know, right? Yeah. That's really good data to know because totally. then you can you can start taking action immediately, which yes. is cool, you yeah, know? Totally. You don't, you don't have to wait until the gestational diabetes test. And granted, they will check you again, most likely, because gestational diabetes usually develops later on in pregnancy. Right. Yes. Um, so, so if you're listening, that's not like, you don't just get tested in your first trimester and then you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't have it or whatever. And then oh, you- right. You know what I'm saying? So yes. I want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one that um, is not routine in the first trimester, but you could mm. absolutely ask for that. You could absolutely yeah. be like, hey, I'd also like to see what my hemoglobin A1C is and get that yeah. checked. Yeah. Especially if you have PCOS, I would just recommend that. I mean, yes. the more data we have, the better. It doesn't hurt mm-hmm. to look at it. And if you have PCOS, you are at a higher risk for gestational diabetes. And obviously yes. there's a huge potential, you know, insulin resistance and blood sugar dysregulation component. So I would totally recommend that. Yes, absolutely. PCOS is one of the cases where I'm like, yes, get this, get this done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. That's so good to know. Thank you for, for eliminating that for us. Yeah. I wanted to switch gears as we kind of wrap up and talk about sperm health because there's just, there's so much responsibility as women that we put on ourselves in terms of our health and our ability to conceive, obviously it's, you know, if we're pregnant, um, anything that may potentially happen or air quotes go wrong, we take it all on, you know, and with fertility, it's so funny, like past clients of mine, I mean, they're taking like 85 supplements. They're doing everything under the sun. You know, they're like trying to make everything perfect, make it happen. And then I asked them like, okay, so what, okay. And what's your partner up to? Like, what are they doing to improve your chances? And it's like, well, nothing, you know, Timmy doesn't like to take a vitamin or, you know, so it's like, (laughs) well, okay. But like, it takes two to tango, you know, like, so what, what are, what are your thoughts about like sperm? How, how, if somebody wants to say like, they've even had a sperm analysis, but what can their partner be doing alongside them? Because it should be a team effort you know, to make things happen, what can they do to optimize their chances of success? And if there is a problem potentially with like sperm quality or quantity, is there something they can do to work on that? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this topic because it's so true. And I feel like no one's really talking about it. I know. (laughs) Like what is happening? Yes. And I agree. It's totally falls on the person that is carrying the baby and all that. That jazz. It's like, yes. and I, to your point, I've, yeah, time and time again, I've also heard that like the yeah. <laughs> taking a hundred million supplements and yeah. like, <laughs> right. Oh, what's your partner doing? 
oh, you know, you know, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah. oh, Sweet. <laughs> Absolutely. I think like the biggest step is talking to your partner and just being like, hey, yeah. doing this together. And yeah. these are some changes that we're going to make, whatever mm-hmm. they are. And you can even describe to them, be like, listen, I yeah. learned so much from Corey and Ryan. And this is what they told me to focus on. So this is what I'm going to focus on. Would you like to focus on some of these things with me? You know, it is the research shows that Mm -hmm. it does matter what both partners do in the preconception time period. Absolutely. For the pregnancy and long-term health Mm -hmm. of, you know, our, our child. So I, so we have a preconception meal plan that we offer. That's, you know, just for general couples that are trying to conceive. And I always encourage people to follow this together, like get ideas from this, make some of the recipes together. Like this should be a a unit. You guys should be a unit you know, focusing on the team together. Um, and a lot of the same nutrients that are important for the female that's trying to be pregnant are similar nutrients that are important for the sperm that's being involved too. Um, so focusing on things like folate and choline, Mm and iron, like we just talked about, um, some antioxidants are really good too. DHA, like omegas, omega-3. So we talked mm-hmm. about how we love salmon. So right. salmon's a good one for both of you to eat more of. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going to be mm-hmm. mutually beneficial for you both to focus on overall. Right. Yes, cool. obviously, like a multivitamin, prenatal vitamin is is important mm-hmm. for, for both people usually yeah. because usually with most of our diets in America, they're lacking somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, right. that's for literally all of us, like right. regardless of our like dietitian status, like we're yeah. all, we're both we still taking supplements. Yeah. A hundred percent of the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think most people walking around on this earth can benefit from, you know, some yes. type of a little additional boost and some help. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And things like that. So yeah, working on that together, like going through and we have a, like I said, we have a preconception meal plan that both of you can follow. We have a separate guide for sperm health and your partner's right. nutrition, which walks through some of these nutrients that I just cool. mentioned. Some foods also that are backed by research to start including. We also mm-hmm. have some multivitamins um, recommendations there too, if you're kind of totally lost on that front as well. So Mm -hmm. we have a a whole guide for both of you. So cool. And it's, I think it's so important to continue with those changes throughout the pregnancy, not just for mom though, like, because that there's so much more research coming out about, you know, postpartum depression and happening in the male partner or yeah. you know, dad. So it, it is so important to continue to focus on health because when you're in the, you know, the thick of postpartum, you're both in it, you know, potentially. Yeah. And you're both in it. And ideally, <laughs> um, yeah. and you're both low on sleep, you know, you're both stressed out, right. you're taking on, taking on this like massive new role and responsibility and keeping on top of nutrition as it's, if you, as much as you can, can be so, so helpful. So yeah, you know, not just in the, in the, you know, the TTC, the trying to conceive era, but yeah. also during the pregnancy, which is, I mean, you think about it, you're almost pregnant for like almost a year, or you're pregnant for almost like a year. 
Yeah. It's a long time. Um, and then postpartum is literally like forever after that. Um, so you really, you know, carry, making sure that these changes can carry through can be just nothing but helpful overall. So I love that you have that resource in there too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I always say that too. It's like, this isn't something where you're just going to change and follow this diet for nine months and then you're going to forget everything and Mm -hmm. revert back or something like, no, we want to like make some changes that you're going to be that are realistic and sustainable things you can keep doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and then model those in front of your kids. Like, you know, it goes on forever. Yes, totally. And not in a scary way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, actually, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tired mom speaking. Um, Yes. Oh, that's so good to know. I uh, you're you're such a wealth of knowledge. You just like you have all the answers. I feel like I feel like your app is so helpful. I wish that I had found out about you right when I got pregnant with Olive. I would have like immediately, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just such a wonderful resource, and it's never, you know, like there's so many women I talk to too who are like maybe they're pregnant their second time with their second. And they're like, yeah. last pregnancy, I didn't eat healthy. I want yeah. to eat healthy during this pregnancy. So it's not just for first-time moms, the way that you totally. can help and work with women. Nobody's totally. perfect, like we've said. And there's just so much information that you can also glean from it, even if it's not your first round, your first go-round, right? Yeah. Like it's not your first rodeo, but it could be a better rodeo. It could be better. Mm-hmm. You could improve so much about your diet and lifestyle. Yes, totally. So you mentioned your app. Tell us how, um, and I, I mentioned your, and I'll drop it all in the show notes, um, your, you know, your social media accounts, um, and tell us how you work with women how you work with people and how, you know, everyone can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, you can find me on Instagram. That's my main, um, page, which is at prenatal nutritionist. We also have a separate Instagram for the app entirely, which is at yeah, at the prenatal nutrition library. Um, so we post content every single day on those two accounts. And then you can also find me on TikTok, which I'm at prenatal nutritionist on TikTok as well. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else you can download the app for free, actually. So if you go into oh, nice. the app, whatever app store you use and just type yeah. in the pre- prenatal nutrition library, our okay. app will pull right up. You can download it for free. A portion cool. of the content is free. So you can nice. just browse around, check out, you know, what, what the app has to offer, check out some okay. free content, all that jazz. And then when you're ready to join, you'll head on over to the website that is just the prenatal nutrition nice. Also the links, you know, all over my Instagram and things like that. Cool. And then, so yeah, awesome. right now that's our, our resource. We're trying to set up, um, currently setting up one-on-one services to get those back again. I'm not sure when nice. this will air, but we yeah. might have those, we might have those ready to go by the end of this, um, okay. the end of this year. We're just now launching a new gestational diabetes program, which I should also mention. Oh, cool. Yes. Yes. Which hopefully again, that, well, I'm sure by the time this airs, it will be launched because we're launching it this week. Oh, um, nice. How exciting. I know. I'm so, so cool. excited. I've been, we have been working on this for so long and Yay. it is finally going to be ready. <laughs> Wait, is it a program so, or is an app? It's a course. So it's a course oh, within cool. the app. Yeah. Oh, nice. So awesome. it'll be like video, mo- video module, yeah. like 
why does that word sound weird? <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Um, yeah. So we'll have video lessons where you'll go in, you'll go through the lessons. Um, you know, okay. we'll have all sorts awesome. of like help regarding supplements and going over gestational diabetes testing. So if you have cool. any confusion around those things, this will absolutely be mm-hmm. the program for you. And awesome. it follows right along suit with our principles that we've been talking about here of you Mm -hmm. don't have to give up your favorite foods. We're not taking anything away from you. We're just teaching you some simple strategies that can really help you effectively manage um, gestational diabetes. So awesome. I love it. How exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. Of course. It was great. If you like this episode, don't forget to review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's what keeps me running. Thanks for listening to the Imperfect PCOS Podcast.